The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Today's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. Uh, and hope you recognize that God is always your Valentine because God as love exists in you, through you, as you. Also, today is the beginning of, uh, of the Lenten season. It's Ash Wednesday. And at Christ Universal Temple, we use an acronym for Lent. We call Lent, let's eliminate negative thinking. So in the process of working with the Lenten season, uh, recognize from a metaphysical standpoint that you're fasting, you're releasing, you're letting go of the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the beliefs, the attitudes, et cetera, et cetera, that are keeping you from expressing your highest good. So many times we have to recognize that it's not the lack of information, it's not the lack of knowledge, sometimes it's not even the lack of of desire and action. It's the beliefs that are blocking us from expressing the good that God has prepared for us. So from a metaphysical standpoint, Lent gives us an opportunity to focus for 40 days on how to fast from those type of thoughts and feast on the thoughts of abundance, of peace, of love, joy, health, and divine harmony. So use this time to work on something. My suggestion would be whether you're listening to this show today or down the line, give yourself a 40 day period. 40 days is a very important number. The number 40 rather is a very important number biblically. It means a de- a, a definite uh period of time to complete something. So it doesn't mean that it's literally 40. It just means it's, as long as it takes to get complete with something. For instance, uh, Moses' life is, can be broken down into 40 year periods. 40 years as a prince in Egypt, 40 years in the process of the will, uh, uh, of the, uh, dealing with, 
uh, the shepherd life, four years in the process of dealing with the children, uh, freeing the, the slaves in Egypt and bringing them to the cusp of the promised land. You have uh, 40 days of uh, Jesus in the uh, in the wilderness. You have 40 days after between the resurrection and the ascension. Now I could go on and on uh, because there's so many uh, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, uh, Noah's Ark, things of that nature. Uh, it never meant 40. It meant, uh, uh, you know, like an indefinite but complete period of time. That's probably the best definition I could give it. Give it an indefinite but complete period of time. When your, when your soul is going from one stage to another, that's your 40 days. That's your 40 years. That's your 40. And if you're working on something right now, I would say give yourself 40 days to work on it. Give yourself a regimen. I'm going to read this. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to visualize this. I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going to contemplate on this. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do these exercises. 40 days in a row. It has a definite shift in consciousness. So that's my uh, challenge to you. Pick something or some things that you want to work on that you want to get a breakthrough in health, career, success, knowledge base. It could be anything. It can, it can be, I want to study the book of revelation literally and metaphysically for the next 40 days. I don't, it don't make a difference what it is. You know, it just, my only request is that it empowers you on the back end. Just take it on. See what it looks like. All right. So let's get to it. We're still in the midst of the series Abundance Now based upon the book of the same title by Lisa Nichols. And uh, one of the things that I have requested is that you get the book so you can read along with it and work with the principles that are in the book, work with the success techniques that are in the book, because success leaves clues. And she's one of the most successful success coaches motivational speakers uh and and life coaches etc cetera, etc cetera, that i run across she's really good and that's why i want to expose you to her information matter of fact i don't even um uh, i don't even know if she realizes how good this book is this book is fabulous anyway um on page 75 she has a, a section of the book called bounce back quickly after failure, bounce back quickly after failure. Now I'm not going to get into the story. She talks about, you know, when she hit her rock bottom part of life and even got to the point to where she was almost to the point of pregnant, almost about to give birth without employment and had to get on the welfare system uh, and, and how challenging that was for her. But she also realized that it was a hand up. It wasn't a handout. It was a, what she needed to do at that time to take care of what she needed to do. Shortly afterwards, she said she was making uh, over 120000 a year working three jobs. She was doing what she needed to do to make it by the time he was three years old. So she went from, I have no money to making over a hundred grand a year. Because she was, you know, she got dedicated, sort of like uh, that 
Pentecostal preacher, um, uh, Dr. Leroy Thompson, when he, he used to preach, I'll never be broke again another day in my life. He says, that used to be one of his core sermons, uh, along with money cometh. And I'm sharing that because sometimes that's what you have to get. No, never again. And you got to make sure that, you know, you got to do what you need to do. The, the thought of not having what you need to do to handle your business should get you to the space that, uh, being so uncomfortable, it motivates you into action. Now, here's the thing. Some people don't like conversation like that. Well, why should I have to be negatively motivated? Uh, it's, it's not negatively motivated. It's knowing your worth. It's knowing your worth. Um, now, for whatever reason, you're not doing what you know you need to do. And sometimes when it's unavoidable, and in your face, that will make you deal with life differently. When you can pretend that it's something else and you can go on with your life, it's one thing. When it's in your face and you can't avoid it and you have to deal with it, either it's going to make you shrink or it's going to make you get big. And the choice to shrink or get big will be based upon what you believe about yourself and what you deserve or do not deserve. If you don't think you have the capacity to address this issue, then you will shrink. If you believe that you have the capacity to handle it, you will get bigger. And you won't allow that failure to stop you because you know that it doesn't define who you are. It just it just says this is a this is a breakdown and it's showing me where I need to tighten up my game. Tighten up my game. That's really the whole conversation. How tight is my game? All right. Many t- you can be exceptionally talented, and if your game isn't tight, you'll still lose in what you're seeking to accomplish. I'm a big sports fan, so let me use an analogy that makes sense to my own brain. After nine seasons, Michael Jordan retired from the Chicago Bulls. The, the Bulls had just won three championships. They were the clear favorites to win the championship the next season. And Michael retired right at the, the first day of training camp. Just showed up and said, you know what, I'm retiring. 30 years old, in the prime of his career, nine years in, still at that point considered the best player who ever played the game. He could have retired at that point, and that wouldn't have ever been an argument. He went to play baseball because it was a lifelong childhood dream and the baseball uh, uh, union uh, was arguing, not arguing, you know, in the midst of negotiations with the owners and the owners locked out the players. Jordan got mad, stopped playing baseball, went back to the Bulls. Now it's a year and a half later. He's still Michael Jordan, talent-wise, as raw potential, 
still the most gifted player that's ever played the game. But for those short amount of 20-something games that he played and into the playoffs, anybody who had ever seen Michael understood one thing. That's not the same Michael Jordan. He couldn't do the stuff. His brain, his body couldn't do what his brain was telling it to do. He couldn't beat the guys off the dribble because he was playing a different sport. He wasn't conditioning the muscles the way he needed to. So he wasn't, he wasn't jumping as high. He wasn't as agile or coordinated. His jump shot was slightly off. It was Michael Jordan, but it wasn't. They ended up getting eliminated out of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs by the Orlando Magic, four to one. And Jordan had a movie to make called Space Jam. So this is what he did. And see, this is when you got to get real clear. He said, look, if you all want me to make this movie and I still need to do what I need to do, I need you to build a basketball court on the movie set. And when I'm not filming, I'll be practicing. Then he invited all of his NBA friends, all-star players, and some players who are not all-star, but all high-caliber NBA starters, and to California and said, hey, while I'm making this movie, why don't we all get together and work on our games? And he willed himself back to being the player he was before, and in some areas he was more efficient than he was when he was younger. Why am I saying that? Bounce back quickly after failure is what Lisa Nichols said. But part of bouncing back quickly after failure is working on your game. You can be the best player, basketball player on the planet Earth and fail to achieve the goal of the championship because you weren't working on your game. Every year, he would come back with a different aspect of his game developed. Pistons beat him up. He'd come back 10 pounds heavier with muscle. He'd go to the hole and people are knocking him out of the air. He'd develop his jump shot. Then he, he got a little older, couldn't run, couldn't just dominate the game by jumping over everybody. He added a fadeaway jump shot so he could score more efficiently. Why am I sharing this from the context of basketball? Because one, it makes sense to me. But more importantly, it goes back to what she says. When you do take action, sometimes and even with the best planning, you will fail. You'll experience one of those life lessons I talked about earlier. She says, how, so how do you find the strength to get back up? How do you summon the internal fortitude and sheer force of will to move ahead on your dreams? For one thing, stop focusing on what knocked you down in the first place. When you talk about it and think about it, your body will go through the pain again and again, just as if you were experiencing the episode for real. So in other words, instead of focusing on where you've been, Focus your mind, your energy, and intention towards what it is that you seek to accomplish. We get that it failed. We get that the divorce happened. We get that it was painful. We get that you got ill. We get that the job gave you the pink slip 
unexpectedly. We get that the children are not living up to what you taught them. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not belittling it. I'm not devaluing it. I'm not saying that it didn't hurt. I'm not saying any of those things. What I am saying is that those experiences will live like parasites on your energy if you continue to hold on to them in your mind instead of focusing your attention on where you want to go. A parasite lives off the energy of something else. And those experiences stay alive in your life because they're living off of your emotional energy. What dad did or didn't do, what mama did or didn't do, what he or she didn't do. Promises made, promises broken. I get it. But if you stay stuck there, you can't bounce back. Getting to the point to where you love yourself enough to free yourself from those things. As Reverend Coleman used to tell us all the time, no one is worth you being sick, broken, unhappy. You don't forgive people for them. You forgive people for you. That's the process. That's the process. And if you get really clear about what that means, and if you can get really clear about what that looks like, it'll do wonders for you. Wonders. Wonders. So, just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. Now, is there something in your life that's requiring a bounce back? And you're still on the mat. You're still in your head and you're not in your actions. You're thinking about your comeback, but you're not actually making a comeback. Thinking about a comeback only happens so long. Sooner or later, you you have to make the comeback. When I was a teenager, uh, you know, I I remember, uh, you know, LL Cool J had this song called Mama Said Knock You Out. And it was based upon, at that point, his career, he was a young man, 20 years old or so, 20, 20, yeah, 20, 21. He, 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 he was like the most famous rapper on, on the planet a few years before. And then he dropped another album, and it didn't do it as successfully as his album in 87, and that he dropped in 89, and now people are looking, what's going on? And he said he went to his mama's grandmother's house and he was in the basement and he was sulking and trying to figure out what he needed to do. And he says, grandmother walked downstairs and she called him Todd by his middle name. She said, Todd, what you doing? He said, my you know, mama, grandmama, I'm just trying to work this out, trying to figure out what I need to do. And she said, he said, Todd, you just need to knock him out. And that's what produced the song. Mama said, knock you out. And it's a really aggressive song. I'm not saying you should like it or not like it. But from the standpoint of a teenager, the energy was was made in the first verse of the song. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. And what that was saying was he was he was saying, I'm coming back and getting what's mine. You got to have that same energy. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. You know. So what's your comeback? 
You need to know and work with it. So it's time for our first break. I'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Uh, before we get back into the book, let me remind you that this uh, show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely uh, receive, freely give, uh, go to unity.fm. Click on the giving or donate button and help support this online ministry so we can help spread this message. People, you know, you know, I wish I could say that, you know, the the electric company, bill company and the people who, who pay the heat and unity and and property taxes and all the other stuff that goes along with, I don't know, if it's, with having uh, a ministry on a the bills got to be paid. As I always tell people here in Chicago, uh, ComEd doesn't pay the light bill and people's gas. Jesus doesn't pay people's gas. They send the bill when we use the resources. We have to pay people to, to, to do things. The Unity has to pay people to make sure that this product can get out to the world. So help support it by your giving. If you're receiving a benefit or benefits from 
listening to this show, then give. You know, you're not going to outgive God, and it shows value when you give to something you believe in. As I tell my classes all the time, if this class is worth Mac Chicken money to you, then give Mac Chicken money. But if it's not, support it with your donation so you can pay it forward. You know, because we'll go to the movie theaters, we'll go to a fast food restaurant and randomly spend money. We won't even send five dollars to something like this that is given freely to people. That's amazing to me. But that's just me. But that's amazing to me. That we'll we'll waste money on stuff. We'll buy things we don't even need or really want or ever use after we buy it. It'll just sit in the closet. But the things that bring value to our lives, we want to support it. And then we wonder why life is upside down. All right. I'm off of my soapbox. Also, this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you're on Facebook, my request is that you find the page, like the page, give it a five-star rating, and write a positive review. If you listen to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, Stitcher is an Android app, make sure that, well, excuse me, my request is that you give it a five-star rating and you write a positive review. When you do the ratings and the reviews, it helps the algorithms so it, it can push the show up front. So when people log on or get on or whatever, it shows up on people's walls or their iTunes or their Stitcher or whatever as options. I don't know how it works. I just need um, – I don't need – let me rephrase that. I desire that you do that so we can continue to help people. When I say I need, that means that, you know, you know, I don't roll with the I need thing. All right. Um, back to the book. So we were talking about LL Cool J and Michael Jordan. Uh, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. And I want to get that across because you got to, you, to, to make that comeback, you got to get some fire in your belly. Now, again, that's not how everybody teaches it. I realize that I have to be me. But I believe that you got to have some fire in your belly. You you have to have a strong why. I don't believe lukewarm energy will get you anywhere. Going along to get along, energy will get you anywhere. You got to get some fire in your belly. Because that fire in your belly will, will, will get you out of the bed. That fire in your belly will make you study and research when you don't want to. That fire in your belly will make you work the hours that you need to work to get it done. That fire in your belly will make you save and invest when you want to randomly spend and, and be irresponsible with your money. That fire in your belly will make you work on the relationship or get out of it. That fire in your belly will will make you parent your child when you want to be a friend to your child. Get real clear about what it is that you're seeking to do. That'll be your bounce back. Moving on in the book. So she talks about some forgiveness stuff that I always talk about. So I want to get to this thing she calls Amplify Your Game, which is on page 83. 
Amplify your game. Start expanding every area of your life. She says, once you master the mindset of an abundant, prosperous life, you can begin to amplify your game in earnest. Now we're talking about what I just talked about. You have the mindset. Now you start. To, now you need to work on your game. She says, to do that, you'll have to build a new infrastructure for your life. This isn't always easy, but with a strong foundation in place, you can begin to enrich yourself and grow into your destiny. What are the necessary pillars of this foundation? Pillar number one, growing knowledge. One of the biggest lessons I've learned was that I couldn't transform my life based upon based on the limited knowledge I had at the time. I had to find out what I didn't know. So amplify your game is not just about doing more. It's about knowing more. You know, I, I can, you know, I, I've had people come up to me at times when I go out and do speaking gigs. Uh, and I always get this question sooner or later. I want a, a person to say, how can I learn how to speak like you? You know, uh, you, you know, you have these quotes, you have the energy, you, you know, expertise. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, well, to start off with, you need the knowledge base. Start reading three books a week for years. Then read those same books over and over again. Highlight in them. Write in the margins. Write down. Take. Uh, write down your thoughts. Make notes. Get you know a couple of decades worth of teaching experience in the classroom, and in uh, almost two decades of preaching in front of large audiences. This isn't something you just pick up. You got to work on your game. This isn't okay. Let me take this three month course. And all of a sudden I'm going to start speaking like people who do it for a living. No, nobody should expect you to. There's no different than walking on the basketball court. You could <laughs> and expecting to dominate uh, professionals. One of the things I love about the, 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 the NBA, again, I'm a sports fan, and I'm a big NBA fan. Uh, I watch almost any NBA game. One of the things I love about the NBA is every player from 1 to 12 was the absolute star of their college team. This is why knowledge and working on your game matters. Every player in the NBA was a star at the collegiate level or the or if they played overseas. We have a lot of European players in the NBA now. An absolute star. I mean, the best person, the go-to guy. Got all the accolades. And they can't even get five seconds on the court in an NBA game. Why? Because as you start to rise, you start to see people who are working at their game sometimes at a totally different level. You can say, well, some of those people are just more athletically gifted. That might be true. Some of those people might be uh, more naturally talented. That might also be true. Every once in a while, you'll get the Georges, the LeBron Jameses, the Kobe Bryants of life. But to assume that they don't work hard is a mistake. 
that's why I love the basketball player known and named Jimmy Butler. He used to play for the Bulls, and now he plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Why do I love Jimmy Butler? Because Jimmy Butler came to the NBA as a player who 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 grew up homeless, went to a junior college to play basketball, played a season, a college got a, was a low first round pick that was picked only because he could play really good defense. First season in the NBA couldn't hit this church with a basketball. He had no offense. He was just an athletic player. And he willed himself to be an all-NBA, all-star game starter. Every year he came back, he was better. Every year he would lock himself up in the summer with his friends. No internet, no partying. He and his buddies that he was close to. And their job there was to keep him focused on just working on his game and adding to his offensive skill set. So a guy who who could not get off the bench his first year in the NBA now starts on all-star games. That's called working on your game. That's growing in your knowledge, understanding your craft. What's your craft? Where do you need to grow? How do you need to expand your game? But his his skill set was good enough to get him to the NBA, but he wasn't good enough to play. And now he starts in all-star games. Now he's being picked for all NBA teams. Now he has a $100 million contract. How do you go from the guy who couldn't play, who couldn't get off the bench, was only thrown in the games at the – uh, when it was a blowout or if he, they needed somebody to go in there and harass somebody and foul them if necessary because they could waste his fouls to being a guy who's considered a cornerstone of an NBA franchise. He understood he needed to work on his game. And number two, he says work for a goal that's bigger than you. So he wanted to prove that he could do it. His goal was I can be an NBA, all-NBA all player. What's your goal that's bigger than you? Because your goal will pull you. Your dream will pull you. Michael Beckwith says that until your vision is pulling you, uh, life, I forgot how he says it, but it's life will push you. I think he says life will push you until your vision pulls you. I think that's how he says it. When, when when former President Barack Obama desired to be the president, he had a conversation with a local politician. When he first ran for office, he lost. Then he came back and he ran for another position because the, uh, the person who had that state senate seat Decided not to run, and then at the last minute decided to run anyway, and then tried to get president. Then they had to figure out how to get who, which one of them was going to get off the ballot. There was court stuff that went into that. He ended up winning, but then he had a conversation, and he had bigger a bigger vision. He wanted to be the president of the United States, and he told a local politician who was a very powerful uh, uh, state politician his goal. 
And he started to work on it bit by bit, piece by piece. So when the opportunity presented itself for this local state senator who was running for for a U.S. Senate spot in 2004, had an opportunity to stand in front of the nation, uh, in front of the world, to give his speech while John Kerry was running for president against George W. Bush. He blew the country and the world away. Who is this guy? Who is this Barack Obama? Uh, you could can or not you can you can be a fan of his or not a fan of his. That's irrelevant to the conversation. He had a larger goal and he was preparing himself. So when the opportunity presented itself, he was ready for it. What if he wasn't ready? What if he would have squandered that moment, that two thousand four speech at the National Democratic National Convention shifted the perception of him for the people who knew him and exposed him to the world. Now, what if he had dropped the ball? What if he wasn't ready? What if he wasn't ready on the back end of it? And it seems as though th- situation after situation worked in his favor to get him to the space of becoming the president. Now, why is that important? The why. The why. The why. The goal is bigger than you. He, one of his goals was because his mother wrestled and ended up succumbing to the, the disease we call cancer. And him remembering as a child his mother having to deal with these uh, creditors and calls and the insurance people not paying what they should be paying even though she had insurance and all of the stuff that went along with that. One of his whys was uh, he wanted affordable care. And again, you can agree with the act or not agree with it. That's not my point. My point is that was one of his driving points. You have to work for a goal that's bigger than you. Being the first black president was a goal that was important. Anybody that's African-American that's my age or older knows that the thought about being a black uh, a black man being a president of the United States was something that was like, huh? If, if it won't happen because parents will say you can be anything you want in the world, even the president of the United States. And to an extent, it will go in one ear and out of the other. Or he said if, if they or comedians would joke, if a black man did become the president, they'd kill him. But he had a vision that it was possible. And his vision was so contagious and he was so prepared and he was so qualified that it became contagious. What's your goal that's so contagious that people will get on board to help you achieve it? I'm just saying. You got to have a contagious goal. People get infected when they come around you with hope, vision, and fulfillment. Them, when they help you, they get a sense of satisfaction because they know what you're attempting to do. So it looks like we're coming up on our last break. Um, if you do want to call in, you can call in at 888-558-6489. 
you know, I do like calls. I know I've just been kind of talking at this show, but I do actually like people to call in and ask questions or make comments because it lets me know what the vibe is. So we'll take our last break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to unity.org and click on Publications. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm covering these pillars that Lisa Nichols is talking about on page 84. Pillar number three. Recognize that you'll need help to expand your impact. She wrote, even leaders need help to take on the greatest task of our generation. So recognize that you need a team. Either get off your island or at least build a bridge so that people can get to you and work with you. Start identifying people who align with your dream and who can become enthusiastic about your goals alongside you. So I just talked about that. You have to become passionate. Now, here's the key. If you're fired up about what you're doing, most likely somebody will get fired up about what you're doing. And uh, see, here's the thing about human behavior. You can be fired up about some complete nonsense from another person's point of view. You don't even have to be fired up about something that the world would even value as good. But there are people who will align with it. Now, I'm not telling people to go out there and do crazy stuff or uh, criminal things or racist things or sexist things, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm saying is all of those isms have followers. And 
we can create that same level of momentum with positivity, with spirituality, with love, with peace, with joy, with satisfaction, with fulfillment, with wisdom, with prosperity. By focusing on what it is that you desire. Not on the current condition. This is why you have to have a team. And the team has to have a a very clear goal. What is it that you're seeking to achieve? One of the challenges that I have with, um, I ain't going to say challenges. I was, let me use a different word. Um, disagreement. In, in in theory and practicality is when I hear leaders um, speak about people who are disenfranchised as if that's their state of being, not the the experience that they're going through. Poor people this, poor people that, you know, instead of. Uh, people who need now I'm not saying that they have to use my terminology again this is me talking about theory and practicality once people accept that they're disenfranchised that they're that 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 they're poor as a state of being not as a temporary condition in other words as Mike Todd said I've been broke many times I've never been poor once they start accepting that that will shift their behavior because when people accept the victim mentality they have to have a victimizer so for me, it's important to be a part of something that states its intention in a positive way. You know, I don't want to be about the help poor people program. I want to be about the empower people to prosper program. Now, you know, I say it's the same thing. How do I, how do people know this is what you're focusing on? Well, that's your responsibility to get your message out in a positive way, in an empowering way. But the key is making sure that you and your team have a goal that clearly states the intention, not just dealing with the problem, but actually showing up as the solution to what the world is dealing with. So in the nineteen late 1950s and, and through the 60s, the United States of America went through what is called the civil rights era. In other words, the intention of that was for African Americans to get the full civil rights that they were owed by the Constitution of the United States. In other words, the pursuit of life, liberty, excuse me, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the legal protection for education, for housing, for money, for jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Not saying any of those things are equal now because that's just not factual. So that conversation is still in play. That being said, the intention was very clear. It wasn't the stop treating us bad era. It was the civil rights era. What is it that we're seeking to achieve? You have to be very clear. And then you put your team together because once you become large enough with your vision, like those early civil rights leaders, as we are in Black History Month, as they became empowered by their own vision, they attracted other people who wanted to see change as well. Martin Luther King wasn't a one-man band. 
we have to be mindful of that. I know it's easy just to say that, but he wasn't. He wasn't. You know, um, uh, Reverend Billy Kyles, who was standing next to Martin Luther King when he was assassinated, um, came to the Christ Universal came to Christ Universal Temple years ago, and he spoke about the last few hours of of Dr. King and the plans that they were making in, with their team to achieve things. I mean, you know, I still have that sermon on CD and it will bring tears to your eyes because Martin Luther King's vision, he was always growing in knowledge. He was working for a goal that was bigger than him. And he recognized that he needed help to make the impact he wanted to make. And that's what, so even in the, even in the silliness that they were doing silly, all type of crazy, silly stuff and joking and laughing, whatever, but they were sitting there meeting, talking about what they could do to make the world a better place for everybody. Which says that you can't stay stuck in planning. You have to get into action. Some people have been Preparing to launch for years, some decades. I'm getting ready. 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 This business. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. This school thing. I'm getting ready. This idea. I'm getting ready. This restaurant. I'm getting ready. This book. I'm getting ready. Whatever it is, myself included. But after a while, you have to stop talking about launching and launch. And you launch by growing in knowledge, work for a goal that's bigger than you, and recognize that you'll need help to expand your impact. And then you go to the last pillar, which is practice self-enrichment in action. What does this mean? This means, she says, self-enrichment lies in the action, not in the planning. Taking action, even little baby steps moves you from constantly planning to actually doing those things that will get you to your goal. Self-enrichment is the act of creating a thousand micro wins so you can have one macro win. So what are the little things that you can do right now to help you towards your big win? Just think about that. So in the book, she talks about affirmations, which I've taught like a hundred million times on this show. So I'm not going to deal with that. She talked about visualizing, which I've also taught numerous times. So I want to get to these, this last point that I want to cover for today. She wrote uh, about working on your uh, your imperatives, what you absolutely must get good at. So she wrote these. Number one, if you don't have a team yet, learn how to assemble the right group of people, whether or not you're a manager or on the business. And even if you stay at at home parent, in other words, you got to have a team if you want to succeed. You got to have a team if you if you want to succeed. You don't have to be the leader of the team. You don't might not even be the most qualified, but you might have the vision, which makes the the where you become the center of the circumference. Number two, become masterful at creating a clear vision, communicating it in compelling detail, 
and enrolling others to come along for the journey. That's key. That's that's how you develop leadership. You have to have the vision. You got to be a communicate. If you have a great vision, you can't communicate it. Then it's not helping anybody because it's in your head. Nobody else can see it. Number three, get good at managing people. Get good at managing people. You might be the leader of the team, but if you can't get what you need to get out of the team, it's not going to matter. People bring people issues, people being people stuff, people bring people problems to the conversation. You got to good, good at managing that stuff to make sure you can do what you need to do. All right. Um, read books about leaders. She recommends, for instance, reading Phil Jackson's 11 Rings. How does he work with these teams and these gigantic superstar egos to still win championships as a coach? Now, he wasn't a good general manager for the Knicks, but nobody can argue that Phil Jackson is not possibly the greatest NBA coach of all time. Number four, learn to laser focus on completing individual projects and meeting specific goals. In other words, you got to make you got to get laser focused on achieving what you say you want to achieve. Your benchmarks are doing the stuff that you said you're going to do when you said you're going to do it. Key, doing what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it. And get hardcore serious about it. Again, lukewarm energy won't help you. All right. Number five, finally, get good at carving out time to be still and reflect. If you don't have time for meditation, reflecting, journaling, et cetera, being with your thoughts, thinking about your vision, being with your vision, being intimate with your vision, then what will end up happening is you'll burn yourself out and you won't be clear about the decisions. Because this stillness time, this quiet time helps fuel your intuition, which will help you do the things you need to be able to do to succeed. Reflection time is important. And the earlier, the better. You know, it's easy to just get up and go. But taking time to reflect matters. I like the book. I had her on the show um, a few months back. Uh, Mae McCarthy, she has a book called The Path to Wealth. And in that book, she has a program that you do in the morning, these steps you do in the morning, and these steps you do in the evening that I really like uh, because they help focus. It's systematic, and systematic helps when you're trying to create a shift in your life. So I'm looking at the um, the clock, and it's saying it's about time to wrap this up. So, again, get the book Abundance now. I'm not reading everything in the book. I'm trying to hit the high high points that I, that stood out to me. That doesn't mean they're the best points of the chapter. It's just what I want to teach. So get the book, work on it. But let me go back to my challenge. Find something you want to work on and get hardcore serious about transforming it over the next 40 days. It works if you work it, but you got to work it. So God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. As human beings, we have been granted quite a bit of power. One of the greatest powers that we have is the power of choice. We can choose to react to situations and to people in any way that we like, and it has tremendous effect on our lives and our world. There is a spiritual law that states, thoughts held in mind will produce after their kind. Simply put, our thoughts can create our worlds. And it's quite possible to change the total direction of our lives by simply changing the way we think, by choosing to see life differently. If you're unhappy with the direction your life is headed, remember, you can change it. You've been given the power of choice. Learn how to choose it wisely. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals, offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson, we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.